Hello, and welcome to another story about the Peters family. The title of this week's story is A Lesson in Parenting from Mama Peters. As we do in every story, we've included a line from a hymn or a hymn title within the story. If you recognize it, send your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. If yours is the first correct answer we receive, we will send you a prize. Last week, if you remember, we didn't record a new story. We still don't have it figured all out, but we're recording anyway. So instead of a new story last week, we presented lyrics from five different hymns. We had one winner this week, and that was Eliana from Little Rock, Arkansas. She sent in two answers, one of which was correct. Her other answer was wrong by just a couple of words, but the one she got correct was, this world is not my home. So good job, Eliana. What we've decided to do is that if you want to go back and listen to the hymns from last week, you can still win if you send in a correct answer. There are four remaining hymns. You can ask your mom or dad or a friend or a teacher or a grandparent, or you can even look it up online and send us your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. And there's a new hymn in this week's story as well. It's time to sit back and listen to this week's story, A Lesson in Parenting from Mama Peters. It was a Saturday morning, and like most Saturdays, it was a time to recharge from a busy week. Penelope Peters had awakened early and was upstairs in her room playing with her little twin sisters, Priscilla and Patience. All three of them were playing with a little Miss Molly doll set before it was time to go downstairs for breakfast. Every weekday, Penelope would awaken early and get her sister's dress before she had to head off to school. It was almost like dressing one of her little Miss Molly dolls. She would meticulously choose their outfits, matching colors or patterns, and always making sure the colors didn't clash. She didn't want them to match perfectly, but she did want them to be coordinated. Mama Peters appreciated Penelope's hard work in helping her get the girls ready for the day. She would often muse, I would be up a creek without you, Nellie. Penelope would smile and nod, though she wasn't totally certain what the phrase up a creek meant. Nevertheless, she understood the context, and she appreciated that Mama Peters acknowledged her help. Saturday mornings were usually laid back, so Penelope dawdled some and took her time playing with the girls before dressing them. So it was that they were on the floor playing with their Little Miss Molly doll set. Patience was playing with Little Miss Molly Megan, and Priscilla was playing with Little Miss Molly Melissa. Penelope was playing with her very favorite, the blonde-haired Little Miss Molly Melinda. And though Patience and Priscilla didn't totally understand the imagination game, they were good at making high-pitched noises, as though they were channeling the dolls' voices. They were really, really good at knocking over the dollhouses that Penelope had constructed out of magnetic tiles. She didn't particularly love that they were always knocking over her creations, especially when she had worked very hard on one or the other. But she was ever so patient with the girls and could be regularly heard gently correcting them. No, no, Patience. That's where little Miss Molly Melinda lives. You can't knock it down or she won't have any place to live. Do you understand that? Though Patience didn't understand exactly, she did understand enough to know that what she was doing was not what Penelope really wanted her to do. What Penelope wanted, though, didn't seem to really matter to the twins. They didn't take to heart what Penelope said. Most days, they didn't comply with Penelope, and she had to take to coaxing them into submission. Priscilla, you shouldn't hit the little Miss Molly castle. That'll knock it over. And when Priscilla persisted in knocking over the castle, or the garage, or the house, or whatever it was, Penelope would usually resort to distraction, holding out a shiny object or a different doll, and saying things like, Prissy, look at this. Maybe you can pretend to be little Miss Molly's mom with her. The diversion, though, only lasted so long. 
And on this Saturday morning, it was proving to be a bit tougher because both Priscilla and Patience had awakened in moods that weren't very pleasant and both were insistent that they get their own way. Penelope was doing all she could to keep them quiet, but eventually both of them melted down into full-fledged tantrums. Curlies, please be quiet. I'll, I'll give you all of my little Miss Molly stuff, but, but if you don't stop screaming, Mama Peters is going to come in here and she, she's going to have to discipline you. Penelope was pleading with her young sisters. However, the twins paid little attention to their big sister and continued to whine, only to take intermittent breaks from their whining to hit the floor with their pudgy hands. As Penelope had predicted and warned the twins, in walked Mama Peters. Ladies, what is going on in here? Is this any way to greet a Saturday morning with tantrums? Mama, I was just trying to keep them quiet, but they wanted to play the way they wanted to play, so I, I was just trying to help them and, and then warn them to be quiet. Oh, Penelope, sweetie, it isn't your fault. They're getting older, and their sin is becoming more evident. But here, let's get them dressed. Penelope opened the drawers and pulled out two dresses, a gray dress with purple flowers and green stems, and a pair of purple leggings, and a green dress with gray polka dots and green striped leggings. She handed one of the outfits to Mama Peters, and Penelope began to change Patience's diaper. But just as she pulled off the diaper, Patience began squirming and trying to wriggle free of Penelope's grip. Hold still, little lady. I need to change you. I don't want to get yuck all over the room. But Patience responded with an angry screech <coughs> and continued to fight against Penelope. Mama Peters, who was busy changing Priscilla, looked over and gave Patience a loving but firm hand spank. Patience immediately began crying. But the discipline was effective and Patience calmed down, allowing Penelope to continue getting her dressed. Just as Patience settled down, Priscilla began to fight Mama Peters. No, Prissy, I need to put your dress over your head, Mama Peters said patiently. Priscilla shook her head vehemently and began throwing herself backwards. Oh, Mama Peters, the girls don't really like to put their dresses over their head, so I usually have to trick them. I I'll play peekaboo and, and get their attention, and then as fast as I can, I'll put their clothes over on top of their head. And sometimes they just want a different outfit, so I, I, I try to pick out something that they like better. Penelope had intended her advice to be helpful, but Mama Peter's expression showed that it wasn't helpful at all. Oh, sweetie, I appreciate you helping me with these little ladies, but I do not want you to try to assuage them when they're doing wrong. It's not helpful to them or to us. By that time, Priscilla was really bucking Mama Peter's grip. Mama Peter's gave a gentle smack on Priscilla's hand, and Priscilla began to cry softly. Little lady... The Bible says that children are to obey their parents and the Lord, for this is right. It also says, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. That's from the Bible in Ephesians 6, 1-2. I expect you to obey, sweet little lady. So let's pray that you will. Mama bowed her head and softly prayed. Lord Jesus, we ask you to soften this little lady's heart. Prepare it like fertile soil to plant the seed of your word in it. Help her to be ready to obey and learn as she is young to submit to authority. Please draw her heart to Jesus. We love you, God. Amen. Mama Peters opened her eyes, and though Priscilla didn't understand everything, she clearly comprehended that Mama Peters was in charge and that she needed to obey, and so she did. She tucked down her head, and Mama Peters pulled the green dress over the top. Penelope looked on in awe. Wow, Mama Peters, but I can't spank her or get her to obey like that. I know, honey, but what you can do is teach the twins that you have authority in their lives as an older and wiser sister. You can direct them to the Lord and remind them that they are to obey. And if they don't obey, and you know it's something that they're supposed to obey in, then you need to address the issue with Daddy Peters and or me, and we'll step in and require obedience of them. 
I get it, but it is so sad. I, I don't like to see them get spankings. Oh, sweetie, it's sad for Daddy Peters and me, too. They're so sweet and pudgy and adorable. And even their sin, it's sometimes so funny to watch them throw themselves to the floor or make angry faces. But there is nothing funny about sin. And just because it comes in a small, funny package, it's still terribly odious to the holy God we serve. Sin is never adorable and it's never cute. It's always ugly. And we're trying to teach them while they're very young to obey authority. And that God is the ultimate authority over their lives. Every single person born into this world is born with a heart that's ready, able, and willing to defy and rebel, no matter the cost, as long as they serve themselves. And we've often seen older children and even adults who act as though they've never had an ounce of discipline in their lives. Sometimes I've heard such disrespect from teenagers or even older children, and I'll think, where are your parents? Why didn't they discipline you? Wow, Mama Peters, did I ever act like that? Oh, Nellie, did you ever? But we've been witness to how the Lord is working on you and using the training that we have given you by His great grace to draw you to Jesus. Because that's what our training does. It either draws people to Jesus or repels people from Jesus. Of course, we pray that God will draw your sisters through the training to Himself. Well, boy, oh boy, I sure hope that if I have kids, they don't have tantrums, Penelope said. Wouldn't that be wonderful, Penelope? But unfortunately, sin is strong in each one of us, even those who are Christians. When we want to do right, sin is crouching at the door, ready to pounce on us. After the girls were dressed, Mama Peters reminded Penelope that it was time for them to eat breakfast. Mrs. Belmont is coming over this morning with her little guy, Charlie. And Daddy Peters is going fishing with Pearson and Mr. Belmont. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot. Penelope enjoyed having company and getting everything spruced up for their guests. She would help Mama Peters tidy up the house, or she would set out flowers, or whatever else she could do to get the house ready. For today's visitors, Mama Peters had her picking the purple mums that were growing in the planter, which Penelope distributed in small vases and placed them in the bathroom. She also vacuumed the living room and also turned on the stovetop where there was a pot of mulling spices. The fragrant aroma began to drift from the stove and the smells of autumn permeated the atmosphere. Penelope's thoughts shifted to the upcoming fall and winter holidays, which gave her a warm feeling. She began to hum, We gather together to ask the Lord's blessing, which is a song of thanksgiving and a fitting song for that time of year. Her meandering thoughts were interrupted when the doorbell rang, which Daddy Peters answered with Pearson following close behind. After exchanging greetings, Daddy Peters grabbed the bag of breakfast burritos and thermoses of coffee, kissed Mama Peters and hugged the girls goodbye, and left for fishing with Pearson and Mr. Belmont. Mama Peters turned to Mrs. Belmont. Good morning, Mrs. Belmont. Come on in. We are so excited you're here. And hello, Charlie. Look how big you've gotten. Mama Peters looked down at the almost two-year-old Charlie, who was clinging to his mom's leg. Good morning, Mama Peters. Thank you so much for having us. I hope I can pick your brain a little bit while I'm here. Mrs. Belmont swooped Charlie up in her arms, and they all walked into the kitchen together. Penelope helped the girls into their seats and placed some fruit, eggs, and sausage on their trays. Mrs. Belmont tried to put Charlie in the extra seat that Mama Peters had dug out of the storage shed, but as she reached down to put Charlie in, he began violently kicking and yelling frantically. <coughs> Poor Mrs. Belmont looked so embarrassed, but as she tried harder to wrestle Charlie into a seat, Charlie began to cry louder <coughs> and kicking more frantically. Mrs. Belmont was red-faced. She sat Charlie on her lap instead of the seat. It's okay. I think he'd rather sit on my lap. He's just tired today. But thanks for getting us the seat. 
Penelope looked at Mama Peters, whose face was etched with sympathy. Penelope, though, was inwardly annoyed. What was Mrs. Belmont thinking? Why would she let a two-year-old get his own way? Charlie shouldn't be able to get by with that kind of behavior. I don't understand why Mama Peters looks like she feels sorry for Mrs. Belmont. Why doesn't she say something to Mrs. Belmont? When everyone was finally settled, Mama Peters prayed over breakfast. When Mama Peters finished praying, Mrs. Belmont began to feed Charlie the eggs on his plate. Well, at least she tried, but Charlie refused to eat them. He spit them out all over his shirt and all over Mrs. Belmont. He forcefully shook his head, refusing to even try to chew them or swallow them. Don't you like eggs, Charlie? Mrs. Belmont tried to coax him. Penelope wanted to yell, anyone can see he doesn't like them, but make him eat them. But instead, she sat silently, glancing over at Mama Peters again, who didn't look aggravated in the least. Instead, Mama Peters looked on sympathetically. Mrs. Belmont, would you like me to get Charlie something different to eat? Penelope was absolutely dumbfounded. Why was Mama Peters helping Charlie to disobey? Oh, that would be great. Mrs. Belmont looked relieved. The applesauce seemed to please Charlie. And Penelope became even more agitated. Oh, it's so great, she thought, that King Charlie loves applesauce. Mama Peters, Mrs. Belmont began slowly. As you can see, Charlie is so willful. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and my parents don't believe in discipline. And I'm simply at a loss as to how to handle Charlie. He's two years old, but he gets his way all the time. I'm at my wit's end, and I need help. That's why I sort of invited myself here today. You and Daddy Peters seem to be able to raise great children. Well, first of all, Mrs. Belmont, we're so thankful for our children, but they're not great. Only God is great. And while we're obedient to train them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, we don't do that perfectly, and our kids don't always comply. I've often said that if our kids grow up to love Jesus and obey Him, the credit belongs only to God, and it's in spite of our parenting. That doesn't mean that God will give us the children we want just because we obey His command to train them. But we do know that there are several things that God requires of parents. And one of them is that we have to discipline them, especially when they're young. Yes, I, 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 I can see that. But what are the things you discipline for? And, and what does discipline look like? Mrs. Belmont seemed desperate. When they're young, but still able to understand that they shouldn't disobey, around the age of probably nine months, we begin to give them corporal consequences. So what we just saw with Charlie, refusing to sit in his seat, my girls have done that too. Why, just this morning, Priscilla refused to let me put on her dress. But we must be faithful to see that as sin against the Lord, and so we must bring the rod. God says in Proverbs twenty-three thirteen, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. And Proverbs 3, 2 says, The Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father his children. You need to remember that you love Charlie, and loving him means disciplining him. But the world tells us just the opposite. They say that if you love a child, you won't inflict physical pain. And this philosophy has found its way into Christian churches. They define withholding discipline as applying grace. But again, the opposite is true. Grace is disciplining your child every time he or she disobeys. God has a high standard of discipline for the Christian walk. We know that no one can follow the Ten Commandments perfectly, but what the law does is show us where we've gone wrong, and we're desperate to do what is right. So the law points us to Jesus, and discipline, no matter how much it hurts, reminds us that there is something far worse that awaits those who don't submit themselves to the Lord. 
So we discipline our children to spare them the consequences down the road. We constantly pray that God will use the discipline that we bring to our children in a way that's pleasing to Him. And we must be faithful to discipline in gentleness and grace. For example, we don't discipline for childish carelessness. Like if they accidentally spill a glass of milk. They didn't mean to do that. No discipline is necessary. But say they're fooling around at the dinner table and we tell them to stop fooling around. But they don't. They continue to fool around and it results in a glass of milk being spilled. Well, we discipline them because they didn't obey and stop fooling around. As fallible human beings, we mess up and we don't always discipline with grace. When we fail to do that, we must be quick to repent and confess our failures to our kids, seeking their forgiveness. Mrs. Belmont had been sitting quietly and listening intently. Thank you so much, Mama Peters. This is life-changing information. I want to start immediately to discipline correctly. She took Charlie off her lap and began anew to try to put him in his seat. Another war broke out, but this time Mrs. Belmont would have none of it. She scooped up Charlie in her arms. She excused herself and took Charlie into the other room to discipline him. Penelope was amazed and whispered in low tones, Wow, Mama Peters, she really listened to you. I was so annoyed that she let him throw his eggs because you had worked so hard to make them, but you were so patient with her. Nellie, we must have mercy on people who are weaker believers. The Lord says in Galatians 6 that we're to bear each other's burdens. Mrs. Belmont is a young believer, and she's trying to learn how to please the Lord. And it's only right for me to walk alongside her and to gently speak truth into her life. You can see how humble she is and how she loves Jesus so much. Oh, Mama Peters, you're so right, and that's so true. I'm the one who was wrong. I was really critical of her. I I was just mad, Penelope confessed. I'm going to start praying for Mrs. Belmont, that God will help her with Charlie, and and that he'll start obeying and behave better. After another minute, Mrs. Belmont and Charlie walked back into the kitchen. Though Charlie's eyes were red from crying, he was smiling, and he obeyed as Mrs. Belmont put him in a seat and began feeding him his eggs. Mama Peters... I would say it's a miracle, but I know we have a long road to hoe, Mrs. Belmont remarked. But Mrs. Belmont, let's praise the Lord for Charlie's response to discipline. As parents, we have to take one day, one moment at a time. The Lord will provide all we need to raise our kids. I'm grateful he entrusts sinful human beings to the task of raising kids. God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, and I am ever so grateful for that. I need his strength daily to help me do the right thing. Mama Peters was so encouraging. That day, Penelope grew just a little bit more in her love for God, in her understanding of loving discipline, and in her admiration for Mama Peters. Before she went to bed that night, she prayed that if she were to ever have kids, she would be the kind of mom Mama Peters was, and that God would give the strength to Mrs. Belmont to raise Charlie for Jesus. This is Grandmom's Corner. The story this week reminded me of a particular time I had to meet out tough discipline to my youngest of 10 children, Lydia. And she's given me permission to share about the time that she was about eight years old and was egregiously disobedient. One of our daughters-in-law had promised to take Lydia and our youngest son, Micah, to an area art studio where there was a selection of ceramic from which to choose. You would pick one and paint it in your own style, however you wanted, and the studio would keep it until after it was put in a kiln and glazed. When it was finished, you'd go back and pick it up to take home. 
My daughter-in-law was very busy, so she hadn't set a firm date as to when they would go. But I told Lydia in no uncertain terms that she needed to be patient and not bug my daughter-in-law. One day, I was on the phone with my daughter-in-law chatting. Lydia sidled up to me and asked if she could talk to her after I completed our conversation. When I finished talking, I told my daughter-in-law that Lydia wanted to chat with her. I handed the phone to Lydia with the proviso that she was not to badger my daughter-in-law about the art studio trip. I got busy doing something else, but in a couple of minutes, I was distracted by Lydia's whispering, When are you going to take us to the art studio? I was pretty sad that Lydia had blatantly disobeyed me, and so I had to pray and think about what discipline I would have to dispense. She had been warned several times, and though it hurt my heart to have to discipline my youngest daughter, I spoke to my husband about it, and it was decided that Lydia would not be able to go to the art studio. When my daughter-in-law remembered to set a time, sadly, Lydia couldn't go, and only Micah was able to accompany her to the art studio. It was a tough lesson to learn, and none of us have forgotten it. Lydia knew that she had only herself to blame, and later repented of disobeying. She understood that though she had disobeyed her parent, she had really disobeyed God. In Luke 11:28, Jesus was teaching his disciples, Blessed are those who hear the word of God, and observe it. It would have been so much easier to use a different method of discipline, like giving another warning or taking a treat away, but I wanted my daughter to understand that her disobedience was an affront to God's holiness, and it was serious. So this week, if you're tempted to sin by disobeying someone who has authority over you, or if you're tempted to lie, or if you think about cheating in school over the online program, and I say that because my husband, who is a high school teacher, has encountered lots of cheating this year as he teaches remotely. Think twice about it. Remember, when you do wrong and sin, you are ultimately sinning against God. The Lord willing, we plan to be here next week with a new story. Bye for now.